Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. Wow. February in the garden already. It is, Peter, and uh, it's been a little bit on the nippy side, hasn't it, over the last few weeks? It's been jolly chilly, Chris. We've had some good frosts. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, record-breaking temperatures up in, in Scotland, the north of the country, obviously, and a bit of snow around too. Do you say minus 14? Minus the 14, The other day when we were speaking yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. Where's yeah. my snow? I haven't had any You're snow yet. to get my toboggan out on. Well, it's February, <laughs> so who knows? Who knows indeed? Yeah. Hopefully we'll get some soon then, eh? So... What events have we got coming up at the, at yeah, the moment, Chris? We've got plenty, Peter, I and mean, we're into the, the snowdrop season now. So yes, uh, a few are popping up down south already, I hear, and mm. a bit more local to us, Waterperry. What have they got going on? So they've got their, it's their start of their snowdrop season, so it's an opportunity to obviously herald in the, the early part of, well, spring and look at the wonderful magical settings which obviously Waterperry Gardens offer. So they're mm. basically right through uh, through the, the month, uh, 10 to 5 daily, well worth if you're in the the water parry area which of course is Oxfordshire isn't it so just down the road from, from the yeah, garden not a million miles away yeah. from here so it's a garden that I keep on promising myself I must go and visit they've got so. amazing fruit trees Peter it's all well worth going down in the in the, the late summer autumn and seeing the oh, right. fantastic okay. yeah so good there and um Oh, well, I will say, we've got to give our, our own event a good plug at this point, I suppose. Our, uh, yeah, Graft and Grow Day. Yes. Which, When's Graft and Grow Day so this year? Saturday, the 3rd of February. And a reminder as to what you can do, what we're doing? So, really, Peter, it's a celebration of everything fruit, as in propagating them. Uh, yes. You know, so, we, we've, we've talked many times on the, the programme about uh, rootstocks and cyan wood and variety wood and grafting. Uh, grafting. And it's a a big old process however this event is a great way of coming along and seeing how it's done by mm. the professionals and uh, and absor- observing it and also um as well as obviously getting hold of the rootstocks which are obviously vital getting over the the sign wood the variety wood yeah which we have a big sign swap which is organized by the midshire orchard group as well so yeah group. that's amazing when yeah. you come in and uh, yeah. i mean uh, i know we sell a lot of apple mm. trees but mm. when you see it as all sunwood and yeah. little pots of like 20 or 30 st- am i allowed to call them sticks yeah, well that's um, what they are i suppose by <laughs> definition yeah. and uh, if you want to create a new mm. apple tree you can make a family apple tree or something like that or indeed Bring yeah. us a bit of stem in for grafting and yeah, pencil can... thickness. I think yeah, pencil thickness. It probably needs to be around about probably 12, 30, 40 centimeters long. Bring two or three. Twelve pieces. inches. Twelve to inches 16, in all, yeah, yeah, in all money. Yeah, indeed. That's it. And uh, yeah, bring those along, and then obviously the uh, the grafters can get at work to work. They do make a, there's a small charge for the, the grafting service, obviously, because it is quite intense. But if you're wanting a masterclass on how it's done, so you can go away and do your own, this is the perfect opportunity. Definitely. So bring us a, a little bit of wood in and mm. we'll make you a new tree yeah or trees or maybe yeah <laughs> uh, and also on the 3rd of, of february over at uh, wisley it's their houseplant takeover um, okay yeah which is another opportunity to obviously look at houseplants in a new setting i think the theme is that uh, plants before time so plants will be interspersed with fossils footprints and more sounds great, mm, great, for, great maybe for, the odd dinosaur or something there as well maybe yeah and it, i noticed it goes on right through into march so obviously through uh, half term as well so it's probably a good opportunity to take the good the children. for the children yeah, i was gonna perfect. say yeah, yeah i know, yeah. know my, my little ones love mm. dinosaurs and fossils oh, so anything all, yes. like that it's always exciting <laughs> isn't it that's it um and then again another fairly long uh, exhibition again at wisley uh, so if you're going there you're going to get good value that's the the seductive power of or- of orchids so this is danger and desire is the title sounds mm-hmm. quite menacing so they have a really good um orchid uh, demo there and uh, it looks it's always good and it's obviously part of your, your membership if you're an rhs member so good value for money i would say yeah definitely and well as we mm. found out orchids are mm. one of the most popular podcasts on our mm, download, downloadable podcasts yeah it's really I just love them as a houseplant, yeah, Chris. They're, they're so long-lasting and flowering. Good value, aren't they? Aren't they? And, the, and the, the colour diversity you get with the, the, the especially the Phalaenopsis now, the moth yeah. orchids. And also we're getting a bit more taste in other more unusual ones. That's that's the other aspect. Well, the cymbidiums and yeah, 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 they're yeah, all yeah. The, the different types. The like and yeah, there's some va- va- yeah, the vandas as well, which are amazing, if, if rather expensive. But hey, you know, if, uh, if, you've got, if you get good success... It will spur you on to do other things, maybe. Uh, yeah. And how about the outside orchids? Mm. Do we sell many of those? 
They are quite tricky. A few years ago, we used to get them in quite easily. I suspect now, with obviously all the uh, biosecurity issues coming in from abroad, from from Europe, that's probably not a, not the case. But it was a shame because we did for a number of years have some really nice, maybe three or four different varieties, which were obviously tissue culture grown, so yep. they were really good, um, and they were nicely marketed as well. Uh, but alas, not in the last probably two or three years so uh, that's a shame yeah, it is a shame you always hear of sort of orchids being on the mm. CITES lists and then the, the sort of endangered plants that's right you go I know there's a meadow near here where you can go and see lots of them and they're quite common there <laughs> but yeah. there's just not so many meadows available these days uh, that they grow in that's right just yes. think it's a bit of a shame but anything else yeah one last thing uh, to mention peter on the saturday the 10th of february uh, over at uh, uh, rittle university college over at rittle in, in uh, essex yep um we've got caroline holmes she's giving a really interesting talk called golden and delicious edwardian gardens and uh, i've just been doing a little bit of research so this is looking at all the the famous garden designers of the time so gertrude jekyll okay uh, and all the other ones who were doing their thing and it's really a snapshot through uh, photography and for painting so you can build up this wonderful picture of what Edwardian gardens look like and obviously what plants we were growing at that time so absolutely fascinating quite a historian based talk but um, actually sounds really good yeah, because the Edwardian era, that was a really short sort of era. Short, 1900, yeah. was it, to 1910 or yeah, start of the short. First World just, War, 1914. That was a... Just over a decade of yeah. Edwardian gardening, who'd have thought. But yeah, Gertrude Jekyll, of course, was the, the, the main influence at that time. And she obviously created those wonderful garden borders, which, of course, we still emanate today. Mm, yeah. Now, was the Georgian period before that or after it? I would have thought before yeah because that's one of my favorite mm. periods in time with the lovely houses that were created for sure the, yeah the, I, I think they really got the brick mm-hmm. and sort of the, the traditional brick house can i call it that yeah, that, indeed, yeah. that was sort of my memory of those times and the lovely big gardens with of roses course. and everything quintessentially english of course in this, this country yes that's yeah. it yeah Okay, well, that's a good few places to go and have a nose round then, Chris, isn't it? That'd be be worrying, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that brings us on to the news. What we got in the news this month? Right, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but then I suppose it's this time of the year we would expect nothing less, I suppose, Peter. But yeah, the first one is is really a survey from the the People's Trust of Endangered Species. Um, Right, okay. And they're saying that basically habit loss and climate change have driven the good old dormouse, which are absolutely lovely and beautiful little creatures. They're sweet little things, aren't they? Not Um, quite so nice, uh, well, not a favourite for everyone when they get in your house or... Indeed. Their cousins, the rats, (laughs) I assume cousins, uh, that cause even more damage, but yes, they are lovely. Yeah, I know. And they were saying in this this report that, yes, 70% of the, the population is down since 2000, so... And what they're really, really suggesting is that this decline um, can't be fixed overnight. So it's just make, making sure that they get, get more funding so they can encourage and uh, hopefully help the, the numbers. But uh, that's a massive loss. It 70% is. 70% in the last, what, 24 years? Yes, yeah, so yeah. It's frightening, mm. isn't it? So that's it's all about habitat, isn't it, I suppose, and different farming techniques and uh, loss of, yeah, it's... Uh, mm. Oh, that's good there. And uh, just a full point of interest, uh, we've got our, our on our Grafton Grow Day in in February. We have a representative from the People's Trust of Endangered Species, uh, right. Steve. He's one of our grafters. So okay. if you've got any questions about the the wonderful work that they do, do please uh, come and come and ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah good indeed, idea. Yeah. Brilliant. And bamboo is the new Japanese knotweed. Yeah, or is the new, what was the new Lalandi? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the new pest. The plant. new pest, yes, the thug, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a, yeah. a homeowner faces a £6,000 bill after he returned from holiday. Honestly, yep. when I read this one, Chris, I, it reminded me of my front garden. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I had a. I'm going to say a, a green bamboo. Mm. Um, it was about eight foot tall. And when I moved into the house 15, 20 years ago, it was, I'd say, maybe two foot round. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. By the time I started attacking it and killing it, it was getting, it, it grew incredibly quickly, I'm going okay. to say. And it sends out these huge runners. Of course. That just go and go and go. And my front garden is surrounded by block paving. 
So it hit that and it used to pop up in between the blocks. And mm. at that point, I just thought, no, it's got to go. It's um, unfortunate because there was some bird's nest in it. And yep. most springs, there'd be birds flitting in and out of it because it's such a dense mm. plant. It does well to hide bird's nest. But yeah, I attacked mine with some Roundup right. and thought, oh, that'll kill it off. Well, mm. three years later, <laughs> after would. about, I'm going to say, half a dozen attempts at killing it off, yeah. it finally gave up the ghost. But yeah, it, yeah, it's an incredibly resilient plant. It does very well for itself. It <laughs> does. It wants to survive, that's for sure, and yeah. take over. And, and I think that's the thing. And of course, we're selling our garden centres and nurseries up and down the country and, and probably worldwide. We, we do like bamboos. They make a wonderful screening plant, don't they? Mm. However, a lot of them are, um, yeah, a lot of them are clump form. However, some of them are invasive, but these clump forming ones, although the word clump forming sounds quite cosy, these clumps can get, you know, two, three, four metres across. Mm. And therein lies the, the, the problem. But I do feel sorry for this own homeowner. Uh, they went on a holiday to, to Centre Parks back in uh, the summer of 2022, only to find when they got back that this, um, this bamboo had basically infiltrated their cooker. Mm. Uh, I mean, it, the picture's amazing. It is it's quite, quite good. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it grew quickly in mm. my garden, but I guess maybe indoors it grows even quicker. Oh, yes. And that's so. why it managed to get into his oven and yeah. um, <laughs> take over the <laughs> oven. It is. But, uh, <laughs> uh, if a panda had moved in while he was away, he could have I, cooked That'd be okay, bamboo. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, he could have cooked bamboo for it, tea. That'd indeed. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a lesson. To, you know, we, we've just got to be a little bit vigilant. And when we're choosing bamboos, um, certainly the, I think it's the Fargisia variety seem to be a little bit more respondent to being uh, more controllable. Or do what I do, Peter, and just grow mine in pot, big pots. I was going to say, yeah. keep yeah. them in pots and yeah. then they, they don't escape. A bit like mint, aren't they? they but just, mint exactly aren't like, quite yeah. as <laughs> quite as tall, tall and invasive. <laughs> invasive but, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And the Q experts have been. Making predictions mm. about horticultural trends. They so, have. what's on trend for this year? Well, they're saying there's quite a few things, Peter. I mean, what the first one obviously is increased popularity of drought-resistant planting. Well, in yep. view of the fact that we've had obviously through the last six, eight weeks with a lot of rain, mm. a lot of rainfall, um, the, the whole idea of drought-resistant planting may seem strange. But it's the fact we are getting such extremes of weather, isn't it? So, I think that's it. It goes yeah. wet, then it goes really dry, dry, and then it goes really wet. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. So they're suggesting things like red hot post. Pokers, verbena, hastata, napita, good old cat mint. Yep. They should be all considered as uh, as good doers as well. So, I mean, they're obviously looking at a queue, like uh, RHS are looking at uh, all their gardens as well. So some good um, some good indications there. They're also looking, going through the list as well, they talk about peat-free, they talk about putting more pl- you know more trees in, in urban areas, which is good, which, again, we need to think about, obviously, the, the landscapes and the fact that what sort of trees are we going to be planting are we going to move away from sort of the native species and go for something a little bit more Mediterranean as well? Yeah, something that tolerates the warmer, drier mm. summers yeah, and yeah. potentially, the, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, good old um, the, the strawberry tree, Arbutus uh, unido, is, is often recommended there. So it's, it's okay. one, yeah, so yeah. one to look out for there as well. Uh, other things mentioned, uh, one which which I quite like is this integration of the winter garden plants. So I think you know we're in, in February now, and you know when you look around people's gardens, it is a little bit gloomy. And putting just a few, you know, lovely points of colour, you know, whether it's mahonias or maybe like we were discussing earlier, Peter, you know, witch hazels. Witch hazels, and the yeah. other one I really mm. love for this time of the year is. Um, Dogwoods, dogwoods, yeah. Midwinter fire, beautiful, is a yeah, real yeah. favourite of mine. I mean, yeah. that just like the yellows and reds and yeah, just vibrant. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice. I think coral pink is one of my favourite colours. Yeah, you no, know, the winter mm. ones are there. And it's interesting. We um, we we obviously chatted to um, Kathy Brown uh, on the podcast uh, a little while ago. And her garden at uh, over in uh, Stevington um, in Bedfordshire was featured on Gardeners World over the over the Christmas period, which I watched quite right, recently. Yeah. And she's got some amazing uh, combinations of using, in her winter garden, using her lovely betulas, you know, the white-stemmed yeah, yeah. Himalayan birches, with other plants as well. So using grasses to a great effect. So winter gardens, really, we need to be thinking, you know, a bit more positively for them because there's so many really good plants to, to put in there. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, there's a little bit on growing mushrooms as well. They've uh, suggested that, that that's maybe a movement we need to be thinking about. You know, it, cause it, well, I remember mm, in the 80s mm. you used to buy those polystyrene boxes oh, yes. with some um, sort of bag of, I would say, 
some sort of soil soil type medium mm. and a bag of spores of spores. mushrooms and yeah. you used to stick them in a sort of cool they were, place. And they, they were really popular, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not anywhere near as popular now, I think. No. But the people who do sort of get into it, I think now have a far greater sort of variety of mushrooms mm. and you can yeah. get these oyster mushroom mushrooms. kits and mm. sort of things that grow on the sides of log. Yeah, like bra- bracket, like bracket yeah. fungi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah really yeah, interesting yeah. things. So, yeah, yeah grow your own mushrooms. Yeah, so. indeed. Uh, and finally, they look at also sort of growing um, future foods as well, which, I mean, we've touched on um, in previous podcasts, haven't we? But they're looking at you know, experimenting with climate-proof crops. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about baked bean crop, wasn't it? The haricot mm. bean, um, which uh, is one there. But obviously lots of other alternative fruits, uh, root, root vegetables too. So... Lots of you know good positive and cute at the end of the day is the uh, is the mechanics of the the science of gardening I think in this country so yeah well, let's watch this space and see what they have to to come up with in in future years that's it and see how popular mm. the mushrooms are this year yes <laughs> be interesting indeed, indeed. and uh, and following on that for that Peter we were talking about um, well we were talking about fruit um, the headline from the RHS is that grapes are in. However, apples are definitely out. Mm. Um, so this comes back. I'm, I'm sure maybe many of our listeners will read that a lot of uh, farmers are moving away from uh, orchards now and, and putting in in grapevines uh, to replace because, again, of climate change. Well, that's it. And I remember chatting to Tim mm. from down the road here, yeah. um, Tim Chafer. He was telling us all about, I mean, essentially how well his mm. wine does. Yes, and that's in Chackmore. So yeah. 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 In this North Buckinghamshire climate, mm-hmm. you can grow nice wines, and I think they're growing them as far up nearly as Scotland now. No, I did, yes. Yeah, so it's all moving moving around, yeah. isn't it? The well. other one that caught my eye recently mm-hmm. in the news was some um, tea plantations. Okay. So okay, there's so. a new tea plantation on the borders of Scotland and England as oh, wow. well. And I, I knew about Tregothan and mm-hmm. the yes, tea that you can get from there. That's but, cool, yes. Yeah, by yeah. all accounts, tea grows quite well in England as well, which is another yeah. thing that you... Yeah. Never really think well, it grows in India and yes, places Sri Lanka, that, yes, Sri Lanka yeah, and yeah, lovely yeah. warm countries, but by all accounts, it's grown in the mountains there and yeah. that's quite cold. I wonder if Yorkshire tea will then become a thing. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> quite good to know um so yeah so again the rhs sort of suggests other things which i mean we probably covered this in, in previous podcasts but yeah it's all about climate change and also about uh, putting in more wildlife and looking at our, our house plants i did read something peter the other day about um how house plants now are possibly reaching a plateau of, oh, of right. sales and there's going to be new attempts to reinvigorate the house plant market with more flowering house plants Right. So let's watch that space. So, yeah, mm. I mean, it's going to be all orchids or more, more interesting, cool, loving houseplants. I don't know, but uh, well, judging by our houseplant sales recently at the garden centre, I, I don't think they're waning at all. I think there's still a lot of interest out there. Well, certainly. Yeah. I mean, this lovely building we're in today, which mm. kindly Malvern Garden Buildings allow mm. us to come and do yeah. the podcast in. There's in front of me, just looking across. I, mean, I see probably half a dozen different types of yeah. house plant, and yeah. Yeah. it's really nice in and, here. It's a, and it's, exotic as well. I've got, a, yeah. I've, got a, I've got a Joseph's coat just beside me here, and there's a, a lovely uh, money plant, Crassula, and there's some nice. Uh, oh, there's a Chinese evergreen there, the uh, the Chinese money plant. So yeah, that's yeah. good. And yeah. you have told me what this one is before, Chris. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's a, it is a form of mother-in-law's tongue. Would you believe a Sansevieria? But okay. Very odd. <laughs> yeah, it's a lovely shaped one. Yeah, isn't it? it's all green and it's mm. um, yeah, you know, a very odd shape. But yeah. and our favourite, of course, with 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 with, young, with with youngsters by the looks yeah, of things, are doing well, well yeah. in here, which yeah. uh, is yeah. good to see. So, but yeah, yeah, so house plants do, I think, make a big difference. They do. To, the the feel of the room, don't they? And, it, and it's uh, always interesting. And certainly in this building, the warmth as well today on a on a, on a chilly day. That's <laughs> it. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, indeed. And just following on from the wine, there's a, a big headline in the in the newspapers uh, a couple of days ago about vintage year for British wine. Oh, right. So because of... Yeah, so the, the, the headline is output uh, almost doubles in 12 months thanks to the near-perfect conditions. So this, okay. is, this is good news, despite the fact last year it did rain an awful lot didn't it but obviously when the sun it rained a fair bit but it was also quite nice and sunny which i think yes only Mm. for making good sweet grapes i should imagine is um 
yeah. important. Indeed. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, English wine is, mm. I think some of them are really good. And mm. yeah. certainly uh, if it's a vintage year, yeah. let's get shopping yeah. <laughs> next year and, and put some in the cellar if you've right. got one. Yeah, And as, as Tim uh, Chafer mentioned, isn't it? It's obviously, you're thinking ahead, isn't it? Because obviously you, you, um, your, your crop is, is picked, your, your, your harvest, but of course it's what happens then to the process of those, those, uh, those grapes in, uh, in future years, isn't it, to how they develop. But uh, it's looking good, yeah. I mean, they're, they're saying that 22 million bottles of wine uh, were, were produced compared with 12.2 million the previous year so that's quite a big jump isn't it um, mm, massive uh, yeah, yeah yeah and th- th- that article by the way peter came from uh, the uh, the daily express newspaper oh, right so, cool yeah, yeah. yeah always a good source of yeah. interesting information Indeed, a good headline as well yeah f- well english wine is amazing and yeah, it I, is. I think if if you come across it buy yeah. some indeed yes and then buy some more yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we often, uh, Peter, talk about uh, sort of Dutch horticulture because he's bringing in lots of plants uh, mm. into the UK. And uh, one new story which I came across was basically the, the Dutch the Dutch uh, Minister of Agriculture has given a little bit more money to the, the horticultural greenhouse sector because obviously that took quite a, a hit last year with obviously the increased cost of energy. Oh, right, and, OK. Uh, so basically they've increased their budget from 58 million to 70 million euros for all the greenhouse sectors, so that's quite a quite a, a noticeable increase. It's a bit more than we get, isn't it? Just a bit. Think, no, I don't think there's any subsidies available for us. As a lot of those have been cut, haven't they, over the years? Mm. Yeah. So maybe I mean, that's why the Dutch plants and mm. tomatoes and all those sorts of things, cucumbers that come out of there, are so cheap and possibly, yeah, yeah, do so well with it. And is that fair to our growers? Probably not. But that's, I suppose, that's the uh, the business plan, isn't it? To yep. to help them, and of course, it, for 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 the Netherlands, it's it's obviously their key. Uh, I was the area of. Uh, well, it's one of their uh, biggest uh, industries, I should imagine. It is indeed. It? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so quite a, quite an interesting one there. And certainly, when I was over there, sort of this time last year, it was it was saddened to see all these glass houses just empty, empty of crops, no no life in them at all. Mm. So, if this energizes and gets you know growers back to producing you know crops which we we're going to enjoy in this country and worldwide, then. Uh, then that's a good well, thing. definitely, so long as we can get them through the border ports. And yes, <laughs> that's yeah, that's another issue. They haven't itself. gone yeah. off to the length of time it takes to get a container through these yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, and and following on the um, the Dutch Orchard Association. So this is the, the this is the umbrella body which brings in all the stock which goes through the the Dutch Orchard, which is amazing. If you ever get a chance, yes. to, absolutely fantastic. One of the wonders of the world. I always think when I when I visit it. Um, they're basically suggesting that their members or are encouraging their members to now to think a little bit more peat free. Okay, so are we mm. going to predict maybe Holland will be the first country in Europe to would, go uh, peat free? Well, wouldn't it be nice if they did? It would mm. be, uh, but I think it's going to take some time and maybe some convincing of some of the growers. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's yeah, their, their motto is uh, growing greener together. So there seems to be a little bit of okay. bringing people to it to. to to, to consequence that they want to try and improve the situation and yep. looking at obviously what we're doing in in the uk uh, maybe we are well, obviously we are leading that now and um well the only country in the world well we are yes <laughs> yes so you know but you know there's good reasons for it as, yeah. as we without know. a doubt yeah. without yeah. a doubt yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And Chelsea, I see, have hit the news again. Um, now, is this a publicity stunt by them? Mm. Is it going mean, to... I, I, personally, I think skating, skateboarding, all of those sorts of sports are wonderful and mm. thoroughly Indeed. enjoy them. But a skate park in Chelsea, yeah, is it an yeah. utter waste of money in the sense of... Well, <laughs> garden designers don't generally... Yeah. The design, I mean, park design, as you could understand, you might get inspired by it, by but it, but a skate park, at, at the, you know, it's not going to get in use, is it? No, it, <laughs> you know, it does beg a little bit of belief, and I think it is going to certainly divide, shall we say, the more mature horticulturalists of, of uh, who visit Chelsea, and mm. you know, you're gardening, for, you know, fraternity. I don't know whether they're just. Going down this, you know, this 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 woke culture which we're in, unfortunately, aren't we? It's this this mm. way. Uh, it's debatable, um, but I've got a feeling it is going to sort of horrify a few people. Um, 
um, because of, you know because you tend to think of skate parks as concrete jungles, don't you? You don't associate them with plants. So mm. if that's the way they're going to try and um, you know do a bit of a bash up as well, and they're going to try and bring horticulture to these areas, then you know good intentions, I'm sure you know that it's been thought through. But it does seem a bit bizarre, I have to say. Well, it's a bit of a misleading. Mm. headline as well yeah. Chelsea Flower Show to add skate park yeah. and looking at the image that sort of Beetong Park and Urban Organic have mm. Crazy. put with the article yeah. it's a big long strip it's yeah. a, not even what I call a proper half pipe it's a, <laughs> just a, a sort of a strip of a half pipe and mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't know we'll wait and see what it it looks like, yeah. Looks like, and hopefully, when they move it on and donate it to somewhere, which we hope they do, because the skate park to, yeah, will get yeah. some use. Because yeah. I can't see it being used um, by many of the Chelsea garden visitors. No, no definitely not. And the, the spec, by the way, it's it's a two ton granite, uh, st- yeah, skate ramp. So it's going yeah. to be quite a big uh, monolith of of stone, isn't it? Really, um, well, yeah, in the garden as well. But uh, let's see. But I'm sure. I think publicity. Well, it's certainly creating some because obviously we're we're talking we're about, chatting it. about yeah. it. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's good. Yes, and uh, I love this one. The world's ugliest lawn. <laughs> if I'd known about this, I'd have put my my garden up for uh, this prize. It's a good one. Um, apparently, it was won by a lady in Tasmania who mm-hmm. won the world's ugliest lawn competition. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a quite an interesting message though, isn't it? It's all about the, the fact your lawn doesn't necessarily have to be green and lush and, and healthy, actually. And know, watered. Watered, yes, that's the that's key. That's what it's all about, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. all about sort of water conservation and yeah. how possibly having the perfect green lawn mm. isn't as ethical as um, exactly. it possibly should be. Yeah, and obviously free yourself from actually cutting the lawn as well, so no lawn mowing mm. as well. But, oh. uh, yeah, it, it's been... Quite a few countries have been involved in it. Apparently they had uh, competition uh, from Germany, France, uh, Canada, Croatia, Sweden, the US and the UK. Mm. Interesting to see what the UK entry would have been like compared to, to this one. Um, who knows? But uh, they, had a, they had a really good range of judges, including Dermot Gavin, obviously no, no stranger to the media. And he, he's quoted to say, this is, it was the weirdest competition I've ever been asked to judge. Uh, but it hoped to encourage people to ditch their old attachments to green lawns and create climate appropriate gardens. Well, 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 well said. I think that's mm, that's and that's exactly the aim that. of it straight away, isn't it? And but certainly, so. yeah. Even, I must say, the lady that won it, I think she's definitely got a. She she looks very pleased with herself. Yeah, she? It, it, it's <laughs> um, quite a sparse lawn, I think. Yes, yes. That's, <laughs> Fantastic but story. then Tasmania, probably quite warm, not much rain. It's like, yeah, yep. that's it. That, that, so it's a, it's a good one. I like that. Good stuff. And um, from, from the extremes, actually, of, 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 of hardly any vegetation to a new competition for the forest of the nation. Hmm, yeah. Now, I thought the National Forest, Chris, mm-hmm. as you drive up the M1, just past Leicester, before right. you get to um, Nottingham, yep. there's a big sign saying, Brown sign saying National Forest. Yes. So, mm. I thought we had one. But well, it looks like we're going to get another one. Another one. <laughs> yeah, and we're at, we announced to judge. Well, basically to launch a competition to create one. So this is this is in its embryonic seed form at the moment, and they're looking for uh, suggestions so you can apply. We'll, we'll put a link on the the show notes for this. So. Um, but well, yeah, one overall win- yeah. winner will get ten million pounds to fund their project. So it's yeah. So can you buy some land with that as well? Yes, I'm sure the, the attention is in the detail. But yeah, I mean, a new a new forest of the nation would be good. I mean, I suppose we've got some major ones across the whole of the UK. So we just need a bit of land to, to well, quite a lot of land. I would have thought to to give the the effect uh, which you you would need. Um, but yeah. Um, it's fascinating, and obviously time will tell who uh, who wins. The the winner was going to be announced uh, later on in the year, so we'll uh, mm. we'll report. Well, to back. be fair, yeah. forests are lovely places. Yeah. So I, I always think 
if you've got a, had a bit of a busy day, a forest mm. can be a really calming environment because of the quietness. It yeah. sort of, you lose a lot of the road noise and all those sorts yeah, of things absorbs, very quickly yeah. when you go into a forest. Yeah, uh, yeah Ashridge Forest over over the the, the um, Buckinghamshire Hertfordshire border. That's a that's a beach beach forest. That's amazingly quiet and okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to that one. Maybe yeah, I have yeah. to go and take a trip down there. Yeah, yeah. wonderful bluebells in a few weeks' time too. Ah, to enjoy. Okay, like blue brilliant, bells. good yeah. stuff. And yeah, again, from the sublime to um, yeah, maybe the ridiculous. I don't know these links. I don't know how we do, but the RHS basically have got into the world of AI uh, with a, a chat bot. Okay. So this so is, is this chat GBT one two three four well five now I think it probably is, there, is, is yeah it so many versions five. isn't there <laughs> yeah but this is their chat botanist so right. so chat bot and yes they've they've played on words there which is rather good um so basically if you're an RHS member and you've got a phone or a, a computer you can click on this and you can have a, a yes you can have a virtual chat with somebody about your plants and um, get all the information you need um. I, yeah, I suppose it's it's a natural route to go down. I'm, sh- I'm sure this sort of technology is there. And with the amazing content the RHS have at their fingertips, I'm sure it would be very good. But I've, I've yet to trial it. I'll, uh, I'll let you know, Peter. Well, that's it. And chatbots are meant to be able to sort of source information from all over the place, mm. aren't they? So yes. The, the, um, yeah. If you ask it a complicated question, it might be able to answer. Yeah. Mm. It's taken... Yeah, I'm just reading the, yeah, the algorithm has trained uh, the output of... The RHS horticultural advice given over the last five years, so it's working on on pretty you know recent. A good database, though. Good, <laughs> I mean, five years of advice yeah. is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. That's so it. Uh, yeah, so watch this space on that. I'm sure. Definitely. And a childhood favourite, Beatrix Potter. Oh yes. Yes. She's had a fungi named after her. Now, Chris, you're telling me something that I'd never mm. realised that. She was an incredible illustrator for fungi. Yeah, so uh, when you look back at her life, she had a very interesting life um, growing up, and one of her fortes was basically uh, doing illustrations. Now, we know all the familiar illustrations from her Beatrix Potter time as far as being the creator of Peter Rabbit and uh, and all the other wonderful cre- you know, uh, creations she, she devised. However, she used to do some amazing anatomical sort of drawings of uh, animals, of fungi, of plants. That was right. her first. And she had a real good eye for detail. And in fact, she was so good, she did some work for Kew Gardens. Okay. And I think her aim was to get a job at Kew. It was her, you know, she was definitely geared up. However, she didn't get a job. And the reason right. is, if you read any of her documents of her life, is the fact that, uh, you know, back in the day, she was a woman and it was no place for a horticulturalist illustrator to be around. So she didn't get the so job. So women weren't allowed to be in no. horticultural illustrations. Just, I guess yes, scientists were all men of that day, Indeed. weren't they? And yes, different it, times. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. But, yeah, yeah. but now we're going to have a bash, Chris, aren't we? <laughs> what yes. we think it might be called, this new yeah, fungus. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go with Potteromyces astral... Go on, you have a go. Uh, Potteromyces astrorhicola. Asti, hang on, isn't it? Asteroxyicola. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think yeah. it's Roxyicola, definitely. Okay, okay, that's right. It's, it's a yeah, tongue twister. It's a, a real easy one to pronounce if you know how to pronounce <laughs> Latin words. <laughs> terrible. Well, well done, Beatrix. She, she, I'm sure from uh, wherever she is, she's going to be really rather pleased about having a, uh, a lovely fungi named after her. And uh, this is all, it was actually discovered... Um, With some microscopy, yeah. microscopic fungus. Yes. Millions of years old, and it was discovered in slides at the Natural History Museum. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, so... Invading tissues of ancient plant Asteroloxicon Macarari. Macarari, yes. Mm. (laughs) My word, yes. Um, Well, well done, and um, yeah, uh, well, let's, let's celebrate it. With the pronunciation, <laughs> definitely. No, well, fair play. It's it good, good to see she's had fine, uh, some Fantastic. good proper yeah. recognition for yes, her yeah. love of fungi. Yeah, and when you look at any of her wonderful books, when you're looking back at those wonderful children's books, look at the detail of the horticulture 
Mm. Uh, yeah, you always think the woodlands always mm. look lovely and yeah. uh, sort of plants and things in the background. They, yeah, it's all sim. Am I allowed to say simple watercolors? But 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 they the, really are. But the, the incredibly detail. detailed. Yeah, yeah. No, she mm. had it just right there. Yeah, so that's good one. Um, and then we were talking about trees earlier. Um, the um, the company um, Biochar they've started up their earthly biochar. Uh, which is a government-funded project which is helping to save our Britain's our, our wonderful ash trees and mm. and there's some 100 and spe- 115 species which rely upon them. So, as we know, uh, ash dieback is causing lots of issues. Uh, they reckon that uh, up to 80% of the 185 million ash trees uh, are at risk of dying. I mean, we're already seeing that evidence even locally to the garden centre here now when I was out okay. and about um, last, last summer. There's... Uh, it's not very good at all. So, um, yeah. So th- this is a, an opportunity. So we'll, we'll put the link on the, uh, on the on the show notes. But hopefully, it's this this research will help uh, with a, with obviously with the the biochar giving their uh, their 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 helping hand and their support. Yeah, because what I found really interesting about this was the fact that as sad as it is that a lot of the ash are going to die off, they reckon that. Well, the French reckon that uh, yeah. up to about 20% of them should survive because mm. they have a genetic advantage yes. and will be able to outcompete the ash dieback disease. So, mm. And that's more than, I think, the UK, we sort of suggested 10%. So that's that's very encouraging if it's, if it's going to be double that amount. So is this a bit like Dutch elm disease where it sort of wiped out the majority and a few survived yeah. and therefore all of the offspring now are... And then they would... Yeah, I think now, especially with working with the genetics of the of the plants, we can then obviously manipulate those to become a lot tougher, more resilient. I think that was the idea behind the, the 10%. Those 10% were going to be then developed on to become a, like a super breed of, of, of ash, which would then okay. grow on, which is probably very similar to uh, what happened to, to, to the, the Dutch elms scenario with the, the elms we've got available now, which are pretty resistant uh, to, the, to the disease. Brilliant. That's good then. And Mr. Fothergills has mm. a wildlife seed mix launched with the Children's BBC in Need. Yes, so it's, it's another sort of charity uh, to help uh, support Pudsey. Um, so they're adding this new flower seed, which is good against their popular Pudsey sunflower and their Pudsey pumpkin packets. Okay. Um, so, and I think it says here on the, on the press release here, thirty p for each product will benefit children in need. So, if you are doing any major plantings this this spring, uh, maybe look out for those. So you'll be helping children in need at the beginning of the year, because normally we're we're cajoling to giving our money in sort of October, November. Well, November's yeah. it's it's time, isn't it? So it'd be quite nice to do it up front. Nice and uh, you should find those in your in your, in your garden centres this uh, this spring or or earlier. Great. Mm. And talking about plants and flowers um, Hmm. this story has cropped up which is suggesting that um, this is French scientists who discovered that plants are growing and and increasing dependency on less I'm sorry increasing their dependency on using less insect pollination so they're actually becoming windborne yeah, so they're going to yeah. pollinate. It, it yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah. In a, if there's less insects about mm. as Adaption. a plant, you would adapt to mm. becoming more. Well, two ways plants pollinate each other is mm. um, through insects or through just wind dispersion, Dispersal. isn't yeah, it? it is so yeah. if um, the insects aren't there, then wind mm. would be the preferred method. And obviously, for that, well, you don't need such big flowers well, to well, attract. Small flowers are actually fine, aren't they? Yes, that's it. So, so and, and yeah, the, the field pansies they they. they they actually grew in the Paris region, um, suggests that, this is going back to 1992 and 2001, they found that today's flowers are not only 10% smaller, but they also produce 20% less nectar. So straight away, I mean, and I suppose violas and pansies are quite, because they're, they're so relatively short-lived and you can get so many generations, they're going to obviously react quite quickly, aren't they, to the evolution of this, this uh, phenomenon. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> To me, I thought, well, 1992 is, what, 30, no, two years, yes, yes, yes. 32 years ago. It's, 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 a, blink, it's a blink of an eye, isn't it, really? It's not, yeah. Yeah. But equally, I guess, if you want to survive, yeah. you've got to move quickly, yeah. isn't that what they say? Adduction, isn't it? That's the Darwin theory, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yeah. It. So, so, Fair uh, enough. Yeah. And one of our favourite schemes, the National Garden mm. schemes, they've had a 
Well, last year they had a brilliant year by the looks of yes, the, and a staggering three point four million pounds. That's a really in, yeah. Sort of donations that's to visit a lovely garden. How, what's it, yeah, what a lovely way of, of mm. achieving that goal. Um, the line share two point four uh, five went to their biggest loved nursing and health charities. Yeah, uh, and then obviously they do bursaries for other things as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Obviously, a favourite of the, the podcast, uh, George Plumtree, he's quoted, this is an enormous contribution uh, by our garden owners and volunteers, which have added more fundraising activities in 2023. Um, so it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Long may it continue and make uh, 2024 a time when you go and explore even more gardens because uh, there's nothing quite like it with the reward of tea and cake at the well, end. Well, that's yeah. always the bonus, isn't it? It is, it has the to be. The tea and the cake. Yes, it yeah, is. It's uh, brilliant, but yeah. well done to them. That's yeah, fantastic news. Well, well yeah. done to everyone who's took, taken Ed, part in it and gone to see one of the your it. local gardens, maybe. It's brilliant. Peter, we've got our uh, top five for, uh, for February and this month I thought we'd have a look at potatoes as they're very much in season. Yeah, perfect. Uh, it's time to get out and get... Your allotment dug over now, isn't it? It is, yeah. But if you get, you know, getting to the point where you get, you want to get your potatoes on the go, and we've got a lot of customers well, starting already. to chip them. Isn't That's it, right, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a customer the other day. I mean, I've never seen such a big shopping list of different varieties she wanted to grow. It was nearly twenty-five varieties. Wow! From from our fifty odd varieties, which I think is <laughs> it's about like half of them, and yeah, and, and you know quite largest numbers, you know, you know number of kilos as well. So well, it always amazes me that you go to the supermarkets and there's maybe five different types of potato mm. yeah. on sale if you're lucky. If, if, if you're you, lucky, yeah. Whereas obviously we sell, you know, like you say, sort of fifty odd yeah. different varieties and. They do taste so oh, different. Yeah, they are so such a different beast, aren't and they? Yeah. It, you, you, you really, if you haven't grown potatoes, I thoroughly recommend it because yep. they're relatively low maintenance. Yeah, just easy to grow, you, and you don't need really a, a bed. You just just a nice big pot, or, or you know, a, a, a few pots actually. Yes, yeah, some yeah. big pots. You can grow them in pots, or you, yeah. if you've got a flower bed, you can grow them in the back of a flower bed, bed or yeah, just, yeah. wherever you like. Really, you get a bit of sunshine, a little bit of warmth. They're absolutely happy. Yes. Ah. That's so, it. So, yeah. starting at number five. Yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, Aaron Pilot, which is, of course, the first early. So that's one you'd be putting in in March. Okay. And then... Number four, we've got Cara, uh, uh, main crop. Uh, a lovely white potato, isn't it, Cara? Mm. Uh, number three, we've got Kestrel, which is a second early. So, again, you'd be planting that late, late March. And number two, Desiree. Okay, my favourite. Yeah. I always love Desiree yeah. just because yeah. the crop it gives you. It's a good, good crop. Yeah. It's a sort of, mm. Out of all the ones I've grown, it always seems to perform well, whatever just, the yeah, year. I, I'm in sorry, I've, never, I've, never, I've never grown Desiree. It's okay. one that's on my radar. Maybe this year. I'll yeah. Go. I chuck some in, Chris. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Yeah. recommend yeah. that. And what's number one? Charlotte, yet again. Um, Lovely flavour. Yeah, a second early. So. Yeah, if you get those you know, chitted now, get those in the soil by the end of March. Of course, with um, yeah, with Easter falling very early this year, I think a lot of potatoes will be going in mm. a little bit earlier anyway. So, well, sure. you've got to protect them from the frost, haven't you? Yeah, if they yes. come up too early, make sure that you're, you're always burying them back yeah, down bit, again. Bit of earthing up, earthing yeah, up, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, That's yeah. the proper term. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah, excellent, brilliant. That's interesting statistics. It is indeed, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was obviously based on last year's sales. But I think look. I had a quick peek at the moment, Peter, and it seems to be following a similar pattern so far. So mm. it might might well change, obviously, through the season. Excellent. Thanks for that, Chris. And now is that time of the show where we move on to the lovely bit of work we yes. need to do this Indeed. month. Well, I suppose starting with, yeah, chitting potatoes. I mean, let's start at the, the most important job. Um, yeah, yep. whether, whether you use sort of seed trays or, or egg cartons, Somewhere you can give them a little bit of space, and obviously uh, upper eyes, <laughs> upper eyes too, upwards, eyes upwards, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, try and find a nice, cool, dry place, frost-free, where you've got good light, and that's that's the key, basically, isn't it? You don't need anything else other than that to keep the you know keep the frost at bay, and they'll start producing sort of chits quite quite quickly. And uh, I guess once you've chitted your potatoes. <sighs> I've got a nice old Christmas tree stump that I chopped down about eight mm. foot tall off the ground, and it's covered in ivy. Oh, okay. And there's a nest box 
hidden under that ivy right. that I need to dig Excellent. out. Yes. So that's a job you could maybe start thinking about, isn't it? Sort of yes. nest boxes. Nest boxes, and yeah. Yeah, as we've just had, you know, uh, last month we had obviously the big uh, big bird watch um, events. So yep. we're all sort of thinking about our, our gardens and our, our birds. So yeah, if you haven't got one set up, have a look at the garden centre. There's all sorts of types of nesting boxes, including things, uh, nest box for robins and, and such like these days. So there's a good variety or, you know, um, well, owl boxes. Owl boxes, well, yes. and, yeah. Yeah, raptor boxes. Those are the ones yeah. that I'd know. They're yeah. huge. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a spare acre of woodland and Indeed, you want yeah, to not, encourage not, a few. Not on your six by six uh, yeah, panel, fence panel, perhaps. No, yeah, yeah. No, um, that's it. And obviously, we're, we're into the propagation season now, Peter. So, so think about yeah, getting yeah, your, your, some your fresh compost. compost. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely. I was looking at the, the Melcourt we sell, and it's just lovely to see when it's actually manufactured it has a, a manufactured date on okay uh, which i think is the only only compost company i'm aware of anyway i might maybe stand corrected who do that but at least you know it's it's you know it's pretty pretty uh when you've made yeah yeah, yeah, yeah which i think is quite good but uh, yeah bring if you've got a greenhouse or a shed bring it indoors so you can warm it up if you're going to start doing a bit of early sowing if you could do some sweet peas or uh, broad beans or even uh, some of your your, your, your greenhouse um uh, hardy annuals you know, uh, you know maybe geraniums and such like so yeah make sure you've, you've got some nice warm compost and uh, make sure everything in your greenhouse is nice and clean as mm. well i think that's yeah. quite important i've got a bit of a disaster with my greenhouse piece i've got a yeah it's um it's going to need a little bit of tlc in the next few weeks it's a wooden structure 15 years old right i think the weather's taken its toll a little bit so um yeah so a little bit of extra work on the uh, um, glazing battens and things to make sure it's all nice and strong for the rest of the season well that's it i know down the allotment with the winds we've been having mm. there's a email that went round if you've lost your poly tunnel yeah. th- there's one on plot in 87 oh i think it was and yeah <laughs> very sad times yeah, indeed, yeah and i suppose yeah making sure you, you're already sort of set up in the greenhouse is good and obviously if you if you're starting early you're going to be doing lots of propagation make sure you know you disinfect and you put a you know a little smoke bomb in there to clean it all up before you start as well um we talk about mulching we talk about climate change but if you haven't done any mulching uh, new stock now is you know february and early march are really good times to trap in that moisture we've we've had over the the winter period right uh, so if you've got some organic matter or you've got some you so i guess there's something if you've got a compost heap you mm. could use some old compost you could indeed yes use that yeah. for mulching fantastic yeah or if you if you're running material through your shredder as well um i mean you've just got to be careful of course as we say it's it's when you buy mulch already in a bag, it is composted, so it needs to break down a little bit. So, however, if you want to create some nice pathways in your garden, um, you know, you know, fresh, you know, trimmed uh, or, or strimmed or <laughs> processed bark is absolutely fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it's good yep. for that as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people have cut their lawns yet this year. I wonder. Honestly, last weekend I seriously contemplated <gasps> it you? because it's been dry all week. Ah, okay. And I was thinking, well, it's looking a bit sort of patchy. Some bits are grown, some bits haven't. Yep. And I thought, back to our podcast with um, yep. David Hedges Gower yep. mm-hmm. and yep. the fact that he was saying, yeah, if it's yeah, suitable, the weather. give yeah. it a cut. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't get round to it. I'll admit. Okay, <laughs> ran out okay. of time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, certainly, if the, yeah, if the weather conditions are right, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, it needs to be nice and uh, mild and obviously frost-free yep. before you do that as well. But so, yeah, cutting, you know, maybe improving the edges of your lawn if you're doing any border work, that could obviously be done. You know, make sure it's nice and trimmed back. That wouldn't do any harm at all. Uh, compost heaps, yes, get, get, get to grips with those as well. Give them a turn if you can. Um, yeah. And obviously um, I, I invested in a, a new... Um, Christmas present, actually. I got uh, one of these hottie boxes and uh, okay. I'm, I'm now feeding it with food right. and uh, putting in, uh, I'm doing lots of shredding of newspapers and things to, to feed it with. So hopefully okay. in a few weeks' time, I'll, well, it, well throughout three months, they reckon you get your, your first compost. So just Ooh. in time for uh, the yeah, for, for late spring for, for improving Perfect. those borders. Yeah, sure. but uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes as well. Um, yeah, I mean... If you've got a, a even a porch or a you know a coal greenhouse, uh, get, get some of those those winter veg started. You know, a bit, you know, in cells. So sort of beetroot, your spinach, um, lettuce, mm-hmm. they can all go in there. And of course, the usual things of 
of uh, your your broad beans too. So okay. uh, I'll, I'll yeah, try and do those as well. And obviously, if you if when the garlic arrives at the garden centre, yeah, get some cloves of those out. Um, probably a little bit too early for spring on, your onions, but yep. certainly garlic's a bit more robust as well. Okay. Um, also on the ornamental side, yeah. Tidying up your, your your ornamental grasses. I mean, I know we're we're supposed to keep our gardens untidy through the winter, but there comes a point once we get into sort of late February, March to start tidying because obviously you want to see where the new growth is coming from yeah. from the centre. So you need to clear that, let the light and the air get to the you know the crown of your plants. So maybe do a little bit of uh, examining of how your your plants are going, and don't be you know, scared of getting the the secateurs or the pruners out mm. to do that as as well. And uh, finally, yeah, um, on the on the theme of growing bedding plants, dare I say things like pelargoniums, your your your, hedging, uh, your, your, your good old bedding pelargoniums, your geraniums, yep. they can be sown now too. Okay. And obviously, of quite expensive seeds, but again, treat them with kit gloves, and you'll get really good germination. They germinate normally well at around about uh, about sixteen, eighteen degrees, absolutely fine. Okay. So plenty to be getting on with be honest with you for february definitely and i, I think my challenge for this month is going to be getting the rotavator down the allotment if okay. it's dry enough right um and yeah just giving it a good turnover and um get rid of some of last year's weeds and make sure. it look respectable again yeah. Yeah. and then uh, possibly put some fabric down over the top of it to stop it growing any new weeds and then as the things fun come through uh, that I've grown so my sweet corns and hopefully in the future uh, obviously not at the moment I'm not saying them yet but we'll, we'll be able to plant them up and yeah. get them going in nice fresh prepared soil that sounds perfect Peter yes yeah so, so much to be doing but uh, yeah good stuff okay Chris well mm. thanks for all those tips and yeah, we'll get on with gardening <laughs> yes it'll <laughs> resume I'm sure when the, when the weather lets us yes brilliant good stuff see you soon Bye-bye. Today's show was brought to you by Buckingham Garden Centre and Nurseries. The show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown. And our thanks to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chilton Music Therapy, we want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.